Welcome to College Hockey Southwest Weekly, brought to you by Sprint, the best phones on the best network, a brighter future for all. College Bar and Grill, check out our new location, 740 South Mill Avenue in Tempe, behind the mask, serving the Valley hockey community since 1994. OxyPow, our chemical-free line of cleaning products, gets the funk out of your equipment or office. M-Drive, for energy, stamina, recovery. Ice Den Scottsdale, practice home of the Arizona Coyotes, also in Chandler. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Here are your hosts, Scott Strandy and Paul Hornstein. All right, welcome in hockey fans in the desert southwest and all of you join us around the world in uh, the pandemic that continues throughout the United States, throughout Arizona, although we did get news today that the uh, state of Arizona will be dropping its stay-at-home order on May 15th, so like it or not, folks, it's getting back and closer to reality. We'll see what happens in the sports world. Scott Strandy from Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, Paul Hornstein, joining me from beautiful Long Island, New York, where I know last weekend he was baking in sunshine in the glorious weather. Paul, how are you? Yeah, yeah, glorious, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Uh, it was all the way up to like 48 or 49 degrees, something wow. like that. It was great. Wow. And, and did and you break was, out the shorts? Uh, you laughed, but <laughs> I, know, uh, I know you never put them away. <laughs> no, I never do. You know, it just um, you know, if I don't feel well, I'll put on I'll put on longer, I'll put on some sweats or something longer, but um 99% of the time, nope, I never put them away. So <laughs> um, I love it. I love it. That's why we love you, buddy. <laughs> Uh, folks, just so you know what's going to happen tonight, our guest tonight is also a New Yorker, an Italian. He is. Um, I am going to be outnumbered two to one, so please <laughs> help me out, folks. Uh, uh, we've got a great guest on for you with unbelievable experience from college hockey, NCAA college hockey, from back in the day when I was a, uh, uh, a college student, and also... <laughs> um, and, and also an Olympian for the Italian yeah. Olympic team and a coach in roller and ice hockey at the different levels. Um, yep. Wow. Let's try a practice run. Phil All right, Gitano. Phil Gitano. There you go. Phil Gitano. Gitano. There you go. Gitano. Gitano. That's closer to he'll, – he'll take either one of those. Okay. He'll take either one of those. <laughs> Well, we're looking forward to having Phil on because it's going to be a lot of fun talking hockey. Um, when you brought it up, Paul, and he's a friend of yours, so uh, you've had it up. But you're, you were going like, how do we bring this? How do we bring this to the desert Southwest? And I said it's pretty easy from my end of it because right. um, ASU hockey is relatively new to the NCAA world. And if you've listened to me over the last five years, you've said I grew up in. Um, in northern Minnesota, and I knew the blue blood, quote-unquote, of uh, college hockey. I went to University of Minnesota Duluth, so I knew what it was like there. I saw North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, all of those, quote-unquote, blue bloods, if you will. And I said, is Arizona ready to uh, play NCAA hockey? I knew that Coach Powers would have them ready on the ice. There was no doubt about that. But what I was wondering was – is the fan base here ready for NCAA hockey? Because as I'm sure our guest will tell us, 
at uh, Northern Michigan University, the fans are rabid, right? Uh, Michigan yep. Tech, the fans are rabid. Wisconsin, North Dakota, Minnesota, all of those places have such a rich heritage and fans. So I want him to tell us and to tell the people in the desert Southwest what college hockey was and is like and what we should be doing as fans to energize this sport in the desert Southwest. We know, Paul, that we're real close to an arena. Uh, we know yep. that's supposed to break ground finally in November. Um, we right. know the team is very talented, uh, 22 back-to-back, 20-plus uh, win seasons. So we know the direction they're headed on the ice, but are they ready off the ice? And the only reason I bring that up, Paul, is because news again today, and, and I need to get this out there right away because it wasn't on our show last night. We had uh, Craig Morgan on from the Athletic Arizona with us, and he broke the news this morning to me. He, he said he knew it last night, but he just couldn't release right. it. Obviously um, not. Yeah, and, and I respect him for that. He's a very good journalist and did a great job answering all the questions he could with us last night. So uh, right. kudos, of course, to Craig Morgan. But Aaron Cohen, unfortunately, has left. And, um, you know, there's other departures. And, and one of the things that I asked Craig last night on the show was I said, uh, when you look at Alex Murillo, who took a big leap and bought 95% of the Arizona Coyotes less than a year ago and uh, right. took over the team, and I said, how is he doing through all this? Because I knew Craig would have some insight. And he said, well, he said, let me tell you, Scott. He said, he's in a tough position because all of his financial interests are in things that are suffering a lot through the pandemic. He has casinos. Right. He has restaurants. He has media. Now he has a hockey team. None of them are doing extremely well under these conditions. Right. Not that there are a lot of people that do, but – but you compare and contrast him to other owners that may have a been around longer and B may have some different financial status. You can't blame him for maybe being a little gun shy. What we don't know is what's going to happen, right? I mean, there's so many things that need to happen. We just don't know where it's going to go. No. And and that is uh, the big question of it all. Uh, You know, also it ties into, you know, what's going to happen with ASU season because nobody knows um, things are not being done at a at a nationwide level. Uh, everybody's kind of doing their own thing. You know, whether you agree with that or not is 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 a different subject matter for a much different podcast. Uh, but you know, that's part of the problem too. And there's just a lot that we don't know. A lot that that uh, that. Nobody knows. And, you know, you mentioned some other owners. Like you said, they have their money in other things, have had the teams much longer, um, and, you know, have had a chance to kind of buffer their way through some of this. You know, nobody really knows, and nobody knows how this is going to come out on the other end either. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I mean, we talked – you brought up two good things right there. Like, let's first go to the ownership part. Um, Obviously, I compare things – and contrast them with Vegas because we cover both the Golden Knights and the Arizona Coyotes. And when you look at it from a Vegas Golden Knights perspective, they just keep building. They just keep going, build, build, build. <laughs> it never stops for them, right? So they just right. uh, they just keep going, and they don't know anything different, right? They, they went to the Stanley Cup final, their, their first inaugural season. Uh, they've, right. they've been 
continually been good. The fan base has been starved when they had the, the terrible shooting of one October a couple of years ago. Um, all those fans didn't run away from hockey. They embraced hockey, right? Right. They're, they were the only professional game in town to speak of, uh, major professional sport. So there's so many things differently. And, and right now you go to Vegas, you talk to them, and they go, yeah, the pan- pandemic sucks, but we know our team's coming back. We know we're getting an AHL team. We know everything's full speed ahead. And you go to an Arizona Coyote fan, and the first thing that I heard today on my Twitter account and emails and text messages were, what's this going to mean for the team? With Aaron Cohen, he's been here since 2015. Now we have instability from the CEO and the president's position again. Uh, folks, I don't know. I, I honestly yeah, don't know that's really it. Changes. So we're going to play it by ear. But, you know, like I said, it's, it's great to um, – you know, at least think that we're moving forward. Major League Baseball is is talking about moving forward. Uh, we, we hashed it over with uh, Jesse Granger two weeks ago from the uh, Athletic Las Vegas. And then, of course, we hashed it over with Craig Morgan last night with the Athletic Arizona. We said, what do you think is going to happen? What do you think should happen? First thing that came out of both their mouths, Paul, were we need to listen to the doctors. We need yeah, to be well. safe first. Now, I, I'm a little nervous because I think some places are getting a little ahead of themselves and starting to put the doctors to the back and everything else to the front. So let's hope, and I don't want to get political, but let's hope that things well, that's just, what I meant. just move forward. Okay. Like I said, we're going to see one way or the other who was right and who wasn't. Okay. So, so but we're, talk- next- we're, talk- we're talking NCAA hockey. Give us some thoughts on NCAA hockey. Where are we, Paul? Where do you think we're going to be? Where would you like to see us go? Obviously, full speed ahead. I obviously that's the, the first choice. Uh, I just don't know, Scott. Um, everything you see and everything you read is different from uh, league to league, state to state, conference to conference. Um, you know, you expect that the commissioners and the athletic directors are trying to do everything they can to make sure that they're prepared for whatever ends up happening. But nobody knows. That's just it, pure and simple. Nobody knows. I'm, I, I believe the NCAA said uh, either late last week or in the last day or so, the they will not sanction the go-ahead for sports unless a campus is open. So. Yeah, and, you know, news came out of California today, Paul. I don't know if you saw it yet, but all the state uh, colleges and universities in California, the state ones now, the California right. state, whatever, are are saying that they're not going to open to on-campus students until after the fall semester. So, well, <laughs> you know, yeah, you I mean, that could be a start. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? Nobody knows. And I, I don't want I, – I hate speculating most not of me. the time. Not me. No, I, I know, love speculating. Know. I know. <laughs> hey, Paul. Hey, I Paul. Know. You want to know what the magic number for the Sun Devils is yet? I already know. It's one. <laughs> no, 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 no. Whatever it heard? is. They're, they're a 25-win team this year, so we're looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll let you cool down for a minute. Let's uh, hear a couple of words from our sponsor, and let's come back with our uh, our special guest tonight in just about two minutes. Like a champion at College Bar and Grill. Located across the street from the iconic A Mountain and Sun Devil Stadium and a quick walk from Wells Fargo Arena. 
College Bar and Grill is your home for the best local craft beer, delicious creative cocktails, tasty food, and Tempe's best atmosphere for Arizona State Athletics. College Bar and Grill. Pre-game like a pro, post-game like a champion. Online at ilovecollege.co. Hey, Michael here from M-Drive. My dad, a world-class scientist, actually made M-Drive for himself to stay active and continue enjoying life. And yes, M-Drive supports healthy testosterone, but it's so much more. M-Drive is the everyday supplement to fuel your drive with more energy and more strength. Listen, we'd love for you to try M-Drive too. Visit mdriveformen.com and we'll give you 20% off your first purchase. Just type in the code DRIVE at checkout. Refine your prime with M-Drive. I can't wait to get to Las Vegas and check out the fortress. Going to see the Golden Knights? No, stopping at Jesse Ray's barbecue for lunch. Oh, that fortress. That combination of brisket, hot links, fries, mac and cheese, surrounded by a fence of ribs? I'm in. Exactly. Jesse Ray's barbecue, located at 5611 South Valley View Boulevard, right behind the Mandalay Bay Hotel. Check out their pulled pork, smoked chicken, or the fall off the bone baby back ribs. Jesse Ray's barbecue has been voted the best barbecue in Las Vegas two years running. So whether it's a midday meal or a pregame feast, head to Jesse Ray's barbecue for all their award-winning tastes. Hi everybody, this is Jay from OxyPal. You probably know our products for being used on your gear to eliminate the odor and bacteria from sports gear and, and your gym and all that stuff. Um, in, in light of current events, uh, we have uh, switched up and added a new product to our production line. It's called our Have a Nice Day Hand Sanitizer. Um, it is exclusively for use on your skin, whereas other uh, products have been exclusively for use on your fingers uh, this product is available here at my shop. It's available on my website at www.oxypal.com. And you can pick it up or we can ship it to you anywhere in the United States. All right. Hockey fans in the desert southwest, we're back. Scott Strandy live in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Paul Hornstein on that beautiful Long Island, New York. And our special guest also coming to us from New York, I believe, is uh, Phil DiCatano. Am I close, Phil? Well, we're close. <laughs> Hi, Scott. <laughs> Hi, Paul. <laughs> What's up, Scott? What's up, Bill, baby? Well, uh, that, listen. You know, Scott, let me tell you, that's very good for a guy from northern Minnesota because I know there's a heavy <laughs> Italian population up by Grand Rapids and all that stuff. Oh, don't bring me back to my memories like that, Phil. Right off the get <laughs> I, I told Paul when he was telling me about your background, I said, you know, there's a good chance that we ran into each other at some time because uh, I was at University of Minnesota Duluth, uh, if you can believe this, on a golf scholarship uh, back in 1980 and uh, wow. out with the, with the hockey guys in the wintertime and I made my claim to fame by getting hit in the neck as I skated behind the net with a Brett Hall slap shot. <laughs> in the eighties, so so that was my uh, my claim to fame in in hockey. I uh, we got to hang out and do a little practice stuff way back then with the guys. And uh, but first of all, welcome to the show. Hope you're doing well in the pandemic and everything. So so tell us a little bit about yourself and and how things are going with this crazy world we live in today. Oh, it's it's really nuts. Uh, we're quarantined. My wife, my daughter, myself. We haven't we haven't been out of the house and. Uh, <laughs> 
it's it's got to be close to ten weeks now, and uh, <laughs> we're starting to climb the walls, uh, especially because there's no hockey on TV, there's no sports. Oh. So it's been it's been an adjustment, but we're we're doing fine, and uh, everybody's healthy most most importantly. Uh, but uh, I'm really fired up to be to be on the show and uh, talk some pucks, uh, Upper Peninsula hockey, Minnesota hockey, Southwest hockey. Very excited. <laughs> we'll get it all rolling, and Paul's going to be he's already chomping at the bit. If you can't hear him back there, he's chomping away trying to get some questions in. I'm going to let you get in there in just a minute, but. I wanted to explain to Phil that Phil, one of the reasons I, I wanted to have you on so badly and uh, when Paul said, hey, I know this guy, I said, good, let's do it. And, um, you know, you and I grew up in an era of the 80s. Paul, Paul's a, you know, we don't know what he Paul, is. but <laughs> It's not the 1880s, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> but anyway, you know, I, I said in the beginning of the show, I said, we grew up with quote unquote blue blood hockey programs and I'm sure you remember your days at Northern Michigan, and I certainly do at Minnesota Duluth with North Dakota and Tech and all those, you know, uh, quote-unquote blue bloods that the hockey fans were crazy, right? Uh, they were rabid. We know in the desert southwest that Coach Greg Powers has put together a fantastic hockey team. He continues to recruit. He's got the number five team in the country, I believe, coming in this year, hopefully quote-unquote, with the pandemic. But um, I want to have you on to explain to people a little bit and it just gives some insight from the, the end of what it's like to be a hockey fan, right? What's NCAA hockey mean to not only the players, the coaches, but the fans? And how should they react? Are you up to that? Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I was fortunate. I, I received a scholarship from Northern Michigan, and I went up to Marquette. And, uh, you know, it's hockey crazy Marquette. We were told – by Coach Comley the first day of, of, of team meetings that hockey is basically the only sport anybody cares about in the city of Marquette and the surrounding area. And uh, he, he was certainly right. Um, our biggest rivalry and one of the most incredible experiences I ever had as a player was uh, playing against Michigan Tech. Michigan Tech is up, and for your listeners who may not know, is up in Houghton, Michigan, two hours north of Marquette. And uh, talk about some cold, cold winters up there. But uh, but um, when you walk in, when you walk into that arena, it was one of those old time arenas where it was very steep in Houghton, and they had a balcony on one end. They used to they used to put the band on the balcony, so you'd right. be skating around. And it was one of those arenas where you couldn't talk on the ice because nobody could hear, you couldn't hear somebody five feet away from you. Uh, so to play against Michigan Tech as much as we did, we played them four times a year, home and home. We play there Friday, and then they come back to us on Saturday. And they, they always had good, competitive, strong teams, and uh, it was a great experience. But to your earlier point, Scott, about what can you do to to help grow a hockey, a college hockey in the Southwest? I think. Something that really captured the the imagination of the fans long before I got to Marquette and long after I left is the rivalry. You know, Northern Michigan, the Wildcats, they had that rivalry against Michigan Tech. Um, I don't know what the situation is uh, completely in, in the Southwest as, as far as your, uh, the closest team, but I think creating that rivalry and the, the bands in, in the stands and in the crowd is uh, – it's an unbelievable experience uh, 
from a player's perspective and, and the fans' perspective. Yeah, I, I by the way, Scott. Yeah, by are the you way, still there, Paul? before you, yeah, I'm still here. <laughs> before you, just just because it's what we do here. Uh, before you get on to your next question, I just wanted to let you know that the Northern Michigan version of Wildcats are the only ones allowed in this house. Oh, oh good one, good one, rivalry okay. stuff. Just, right I'm off the get-go. Just letting you know. So, uh, um, let me let me quick do unfollow Paul. I promise I'll let you. Not in a problem. So, so Phil, when you bring that up and, and you talk about Michigan Tech, and, and already there's a rivalry brewing between Arizona State and Michigan Tech because they've had uh, five, six games, five games I think they've played uh, back and forth already in Arizona State's young history. But um, the last time that they were in Houghton, they had a little uh, tussle off the ice, let's say, at the end of that weekend yeah. series. So those two teams don't like each other. It started back in Vegas uh, when Arizona State won the uh, Vegas Invitational Holiday Tournament and beat Michigan Tech, and, and they don't like it at all. But So that rivalry is there. The other thing is you brought up the band, and that's what I think is missing down here. I think that's what brings the school spirit in, is once you bring the band out, it just kind of fires you up. Tell me about your thoughts of a band when you're playing college hockey. How inspirational are they? It's such a unique experience to step out because you know it's it's not normal. You know, you never step out onto the ice your entire life from youth hockey when you first started, uh, all the way through Pee Wee Bantam Junior, and then you get to college and you skate on the ice for warmups. And some bands obviously are better than other others, but. Michigan Tech, Wisconsin, our band in Northern Michigan. I mean, I, they could be worth a, a half a goal. I mean, they're that influential uh, in terms of uh, momentum and impact and getting the fans fired up. Uh, in some arenas, they hang right over, uh, you know, over the ice on, on a certain balcony. And uh, it's just great. It's so loud in there, Scott. Like I said, you cannot hear anybody. It's just it's just the, the horns banging and it's and it's vibrating off the walls. It's really uh, I'm so fortunate to have had that experience to play, you know, in front of that uh, environment. All right, Paul, take it away. Okay, well now listen, Scott. First of all, you have to understand something. I know Phil a long time, but we never talked about his playing days. So this is all new information to me oh, too. Okay, we talked plenty of hockey, but. Phil, always being such a humble guy, never really talked about his playing days very much. So this is all information, for, new information for me. And as we try to, and for years, Phil has always talked about how Long Island hockey is underrated. Uh, so I even have some questions about his playing days that I've never asked him, and I never had any information. First of all, how did you end up in Austin and then at Northern Michigan? Yeah, that's no, that's a good question. So my junior year in high school, um, there was four or five kids going out to Austin, Minnesota. We had to look it up on the map, you know, ten miles from the bo- <laughs> from the border of Iowa. And no, and to this day, nobody can say anything bad to me about Minnesota or the people from Minnesota. I spent two great years, but uh, long two great years in Austin. Was like, long story short, we went out there, we tried out. Some of us made the team, and some of us didn't. I ended up making the team. And I was 16 years old. I had to come back, do the best sales job I've ever had to do on my parents. They let me go out there. Uh, I was lucky enough to get a full ride. I had a half a scholarship to Duluth, 
went on a recruiting trip to Duluth, which was completely off the charts. <laughs> but uh, so I went to Northern Michigan. They offered me a full, a full ride and, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to play for Coach Comley. He was uh, one of only two coaches, by the way, to win the NCAA at two different schools, uh, Northern and Michigan State. But, uh, yeah, his, his practices were so hard at Northern Michigan that uh, I couldn't even take my equipment off after practice before Christmas my freshman year. Couldn't take it off. I would just sit there. <laughs> oh, I love it. You're bringing me back to the old days. and I got to throw in one quick thing on Michigan Tech. Uh, as the practice guys back in 1980-81 when, when I was a practice guy, we, as a reward for getting beat up by uh, the likes of a lot of great players, we would get a chance to go on one road trip, and they always picked Houghton <laughs> and Michigan Tech. And I never knew why, except I, I went on a bus trip there once, which took like forever, and it shouldn't have because we just went around Lake, the tip of uh, Lake Superior from Duluth and up. And then, and then the other time... We flew in, and I kid you not, we took two airplanes, and one of and both of them were the propeller type. And when we it was always snowing, and when we landed, the snow banks were so high outside the runway that I couldn't see anything except snow. I thought we had landed oh. in a tunnel. <laughs> no, that's that's Houghton, man. That's that is. Oh, it is. God, uh, Lord, oh man. <laughs> Yeah, so, so when, Paul, when Paul complains about 48 degrees and a little bit of snow in New York, ah, go to Houghton for a weekend. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. When do I, do I get to choose when I go? <laughs> yeah, you can come with us when Arizona State goes there in February, the 13th and 14th, Valentine's Day. On purpose? Yeah, we'll take you up there, Paul. Oh. We can work it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I love Coach Powers, but no. Um, <laughs> Get a, get a warm jacket and go. It's a it's a great hockey atmosphere. Believe. Me. <laughs> I might need two warm jackets at the same time. <laughs> and the other thing, Phil, and then I'll let Paul jump in with another question is he, he tells me you didn't talk about your playing career. I don't know what you guys talk about because I said, what does Phil do? He says, I don't know, finance or something. <laughs> and he doesn't even know what you do. <laughs> <laughs> He said, we only talk hockey, so go ahead, Paul, talk some hockey. Well, listen, <laughs> um, first of all, I, I also want to put out there that I learned myself a lot about the game and the coaching mindset, especially when it comes to hockey, from Phil. Okay? Um, he, I had the pleasure of working with him for a season. Well, I don't even know what the name of the level was, Phil. I just know we did it. And is, is our picture still up at the cup? Bantams? It is, is our picture still is. up there with the, Nice. Oh, oh, our 8 by 10 is still up in the uh, in the lobby <laughs> at the ring there. Hidden nice. in the back, though, I might add. <laughs> well, I don't care. It's still up. Exactly. So, so that's all that matters. Uh, but here's a question that you don't get to ask a lot of people. What was it like? walking into that stadium for the opening ceremonies. Yeah. Uh, wow, Paul, that's uh, you hit a nerve on that, on that question. Um, <laughs> because it's, you know, it's, a, it's, it was a unique situation. 
I had my family there, my uncle, cousin, about 10 people there, and it was snowing, and it was like 20 below in in the mountains of Lillehammer, Norway. And uh, when you walk in, you know, they do it alphabetically. When you walk in, it's just like, it's just, it's a, it's unbelievably to view, it's unbelievable to view uh, all those people, and they were all, it's uh, it's hard for me to, to describe and to put into words, but I can tell you it was uh, I got a you know I got a little uh, emotional uh, as we walked around and um, it was just a tremendous experience and I consider consider myself very fortunate uh, with the whole thing with Lily Hammer because my family was there in Norway and uh, you know you talk about you know seven or eight people from Brooklyn New York. <laughs> going into Norway it's like it's like a sitcom you know uh, I don't doubt that I'm well aware of that but uh, it was really special well I, before we you know, I, I want to make sure that people understand what we're talking about because I probably should have introduced introduced it this way uh, Phil played on the 94 Italian Olympic team uh, you know I, and uh, they qualified for that Olympics. And they actually played the U.S. in the last game of the round robin, and it was winner advance, and the loser uh, does not. Um, so that was a very interesting dynamic for me to watch on TV because cool. it, 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 it just it, – it really split me in half. It's one of the few times in, in my life that I would watch a game and really, really didn't know what to root for. Because I was so conflicted. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, that's a tough situation, Paul. Uh, you got to go with your. Must have been uh, tough for you to... too. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Once the puck is dropped, man, it's just. Oh, like, that's different. It's just blue. That's yeah, different. no, it's, yeah, that's a different story. Trying to win, and yeah, of course. Um. So, you know, is it's it's kind of weird because, like I said, Phil doesn't really like to talk about himself. But uh, we, 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 I'm making him do it. Um, did I, and also, and I remember you saying, didn't you play for Barry Melrose at one point? Yeah. So, uh, when I was in Adirondack with the Red Wings uh, farm team in the American League, Barry was the player assistant coach. Bill Deneen was the coach. Um, Bill Deneen has his name on the Stanley Cup, uh, I believe, twice in the 50s. He was a teammate of Gordie Howe. Um, yeah, so I played for Jock Demers when I was in Detroit. Uh, so I had some really good uh, coaches who, who have proven track records that I tried to take little pieces from now that I coach the, the, these teams on Long Island. And uh, the kids seem to respond to it, and, and that's good. The parents, that's a, that's a different story. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, we won't even they always are. They always are. Yeah. Right, right. But, uh, okay. yeah, so – so I want to jump into this one. A week ago, uh, roughly a week ago, uh, Long Island University said, hey, we're going to start a hockey team, an NCAA hockey team. Uh, I know what Paul's thoughts were. What were your thoughts, Phil? Oh, I'm so excited about this. Uh, I think um, if they can work out the logistics, the arena, uh, the practice facility, um, I think they have a really great opportunity I think the, the people of Long Island, Queens, will support uh, a D1 program. Uh, 
I'm a little familiar with LIU's campus. It's so close to my house. They have a huge, huge amount of land there. They could very easily uh, put a rink on campus there at LIU. Uh, and I think uh, it's a great fit for playing in the Hockey East or one of the, the conference on the East Coast. I think the fans, uh, the people, the hockey fans on Long Island are really going to support it. They have a great logo, the Sharks. It's great, uh, great colors. Uh, I think it's win, win, win all around. I think they have to make a good hire with the first coach. Um, and, uh, you know, just make sure the staff is in place and they get to hire good people. And uh, I think they're going uh, to gonna overachieve here on Long Island. Uh, the one thing that that Phil has always said is that the youth hockey on Long Island is very underrated. Should they have a problem? Because you would know better than, than either of us would with what you have seen, even if they just stay mostly local, I'm not talking about winning a national championship, but would they have a problem putting up a competitive team with just with a lot of local kids? Well, that's a good question, Paul, because I think it, a lot depends on when would you take the local kid? Would you take him at 18 right out of high school or would you let him go to the USHL and develop for a couple of years? I don't think that you could take the 18-year-old. I mean, there's certainly a few, and uh, but they're the exception. I think you could take a couple of those kids right after high school from Long Island. But if you're going to build a team, I think you have to you have to draw on kids from Massachusetts, Connecticut. Everywhere now, New Jersey. I mean, uh, right. You, you can find well, hockey I, player, good hockey players just about anywhere right now. Right. Well, once again, I probably should have been more specific. I meant long term, not necessarily for just these first few years, because obviously they're going to struggle. But you see the local hockey talent when you do various tournaments and you've done uh, various things. And there certainly aren't enough spots for kids to play. So getting players shouldn't really be that much of an issue. The issue, obviously, is how competitive or, you know, how competitive they will be um, and prosper long term. So, but um, that was one thing that's always been said. So, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, you look at any of the, the, the great programs, I don't think you can, with the exception of the University of Minnesota, Scott, when you and I were back you know, in the A's, where you can recruit exclu- exclusively from one state, and that's right. certainly the perfect. I don't think you can do that in New York. I don't think you can do that in Boston. I mean, maybe Boston, but I think you have to use outside channels to, to build teams, uh, you know, especially a program like LIU. I think they should go go into the mass area in, in, in Jersey. Uh, you know, well, go ahead, Scott. Oh, I was just going to keep screwing gonna, up the way I asked the question. Yeah, no problem. Phil, I was just going to uh, tell you that when I uh, talked with Greg Powers five years ago now, when he was getting ready to start the NCAA program here, he came off of an ACHA championship and we sat down in his office. I said, Greg, how are you going to start this program? And he said, well, I'm going to do what I have to do with my group here. I'm going to take some players that I think can play. And I said, what's your team going to be like? He said, we're going to be old. We're going to be physical. 
and we're going to be determined and gritty. And uh, that's what he put together, an old team, uh, you know, 22, 23-year-old kids, uh, young men, if you will. Are you thinking LIU is going to have to do the same thing, or is that a process that each coach will, will take on their own? I think it's up to the coach, uh, but you certainly can't argue with uh, Greg Powers' success and how he did it. Uh, and you've seen it more and more with the with the college hockey programs that taking the older, you know, 21, 20, 21-year-old freshmen. Uh, I I think LIU, if they wanted to build it for the long term, would be able to find the coach they hire would be able to find that right mix, you know, uh, keep the pipeline coming with young, young players and then have your senior leadership, 21, 22 years old. Uh, I don't, I think it's much harder uh, to execute than to, than it is to say and, and hats off to, to the job being done at ASU. Uh, but I think that's, that's probably the right way to go. So put your high school hat back on, Phil. Okay. Oh, I'd love to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, can, I, can I get my high school body back too? <laughs> yeah. Sure, why not? As long as we're talking, as long as we're doing this, we might as well. Um, you got your offer from Duluth, and you got your offer from Northern Michigan. What would you have done and what would you have thought? And I kind of already know the answer to this because I've seen you there. If, if there was a team in Tempe back in 1981, <laughs> 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 what would have gone through your mind? Let me tell you my fantasy. I've always <laughs> fantasized about going to the rink in flip-flops. <laughs> that's always been a dream, a goal. Whenever I played in warm climates, Georgia, Florida, and certain parts of Italy, I always played my best. It's easy to get warmed up. You know, you get loose, you get sweat, you get the sweat on right away. I love it. And of course, you know, you come in and out with flip flops. Uh, that that's hot. That's that's what I like to experience. <laughs> now you see Scott it happens every time doesn't matter oh, yeah. whether you're talking about a player that's there now or somebody who could have been there that's the what is the first thing they say every single time it gets brought up what is it what are they saying they always say the same thing I can't wait to get to the rink in my flip flops flip flops and shorts is usually the way it goes and of course yes. they can leave they can leave in their tank tops and showing off the guns they've developed that's uh, that's the other thing they want to do and then finally Phil they want to go directly to the pool because they know there's all kinds of great looking people at the pool yes, yes. oh my god and, and 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 where else do they go Scott um, I don't know, Paul. Where do they go? The ocean side? <laughs> well, no. I, I mean, uh, hockey players just tend to naturally gravitate to the golf course. Yes. Uh, yes, they do. Phil, Phil, Phil was, uh, has done that a time or two himself. Yes. No, I love golf. I love golf. Can I ask you? <laughs> exactly. Scott, how many fans are they drawing now uh, to the home games in ASU? Well, they sell them out. Uh, 
filled it. To be honest with you, the, the building seats about 900, the standing room only. And the greatest sight in uh, Oceanside is to look to my right occasionally from my raft or press box seat and see Mario Lemieux standing along the glass. That has wow. been the most fun I've had uh, covering ASU hockey. And no offense to the players, because I've seen some really good players in the last four years, five years, but uh, to see guys like Lamario, Mario Lemieux and Cliff Fletcher comes down to the games quite a bit. I mean, yeah. you, you name it, there's a, there's a lot of people that can sneak into Oceanside and, and don't even get recognized. Yeah. Some atmosphere. Is it, is it an intimate arena? Are the fans right oh, on yes. top? Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. absolutely. It was a, a basically a community rink un, until they put in seating for the NCAA. They, they built it in tight, so it's probably six, seven rows high, a very low ceiling, and uh, they use it to their advantage to their fullest. I mean, the players love playing in there because they know the other teams are intimidated just by seeing the building. Um, I'll give you a quick story. When Boston U came in a couple of years ago with Greenway and Kachuk and a bunch of those guys, they had just come off of uh, world, uh, the World Juniors and came back to uh, Oceanside and the words that they yelled <laughs> stepping onto the ice are not fit for print, but they were not happy <laughs> to have to play on that ice surface. <laughs> Interesting. You know, um, similar, by the way, similar, similar to Northern Michigan. When I first went there to Marquette, the arena was a very small arena. I think it sat 25, maybe 3000. The locker room was tiny. Uh, and by the time I left, they, they blew it out. We had a state of the art, uh, state of the art locker room, and uh, the facility was. Uh, I think they used it for the Olympics after I left. But um, yeah, so it's just a process, and I'm sure they're going to get there at uh, get there at ASU. Yeah, that's yeah. in the works. And by the way, just in case you were wondering, Phil, and I only know this because Scott was there. Okay, uh, when he got on the ice, Kachuk, he didn't. He he didn't exactly. <laughs> Drop his f bombs and stop after that. By the no, way. just no, just no. so you know. <laughs> no, no, it was uh, it was quite the sight to see because they were just uh, Phil. If you can imagine uh, the lowest twenty uh, foot ceiling on an arena, you can imagine every time you try to dump the puck out high, it hits the rafters and the whistle blows and you do a face up. And it happens oh. over and over again. But the Arizona State kids obviously know how to play that rink, right? So they'll go uh, high on the glass, but the, but they know how to keep it down. And, um, you know, surprisingly from where the press box is, and, and the press box is very tiny, right above the players' benches, um, I, I've only had pucks go by my head three times in five years, <laughs> which is pretty surprising because I'm literally uh, – Powers, Coach Bowers' head is about uh, three and a half feet from the bottom of my feet where I sit. <laughs> oh, wow. So they are – they're getting a new arena. It's uh, going to break ground sometime in November, we're told. It's going to be on campus. Oceanside right now is a little bit off campus, not far, about a mile, mile and a half. But um, the new the facility will have about 5,000 seats, and I think that's going to be the real springboard. And like I was telling you earlier when we brought you on, that's the one thing that I wanted to see during this building process was I wanted to see them build up a fan base, right, build up a head of steam to get rolling and. Maybe I'm premature on that just because of where I grew up, but uh, I think once that building is done and they're able to get some some uh, students in there, right now they turn away about 600 students every night because they can't get them in. Oh, wow. wow, that's great. So I, wow, that's, 
Yeah, so obviously we don't have the band there. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. That's funny, but uh... yeah, yeah. It, it, so go ahead, Paul. Go ahead, Scott. No, no, you, you, no, you I, were about I, to say something. Yeah, I was just gonna say it's it's a great um, environment for people that are real diehards because you're right on the glass. Like uh, we have uh, an AHL facility now in Tucson, and I always tell people if they're want to get your first taste of hockey, go to an AHL game because the level of play is so good and the players all want it every night because they think every night is their opportunity to move up. And I know you've been at that level. You know what that's like. Tell people out there what AHL hockey is compared to NHL hockey and how good of that hockey is at that level. Yeah, the AHL is an amazing league. Uh, play, you know, the scheduling they, you know, they try to, they're trying to get as many fans as they possibly can. So the schedule makers, we would play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Three games and three nights often. And um, the competition, to, to your point, Scott, is these kids know uh, that they're one, one phone call away from possibly getting to the NHL. So everybody's going all out every night. Um when I played in the league in the eighties, it was a very, very tough league. I mean, it was, yeah. there were some guys there. I mean, each, each, each team had like three or four guys who belonged in the zoo. I mean, they were just really scary, scary guys. Um, but it was, it was a great league, some great stops. I mean, Hershey, Baltimore, um, um, up in Canada, Sherbrooke. Uh, I learned a lot in that league, and uh, I think that league turns young boys or young men into men because you really have to you have to stand up for yourself, um, and uh, it's very competitive. I I don't know if it's as good as the KHL or the Swedish league, but uh, I think that league really pre- prepares players. Uh, I think sixty five percent of the, the players in the NHL. Uh, have played at some point in the American Hockey League. So I think it's a, it's a very good league, very tough league. Yeah, and if anybody w- wants to question that, uh, as as I sit here staring at Phil's stats, 42 games in the 88-89 season for Maine, 156 penalty minutes. That's pretty good, Phil. Well, one characteristic of me uh, – Mike Milbury was the coach. He was a fiery guy. <laughs> he, he used to get me fired up. I don't know. I was, believe me, no tough guy here. No tough guy. You know, Greg, get in tight and hold up into your life. <laughs> well, I know we can go on and on forever, but I got a couple more for you before I let Paul kind of finish up with you. But, you know, um, we cover ACHA hockey here, the highest level of club hockey, if you will, the D1 level. And the teams out here have grown and grown and gotten better and better. And recently they sent a player from Las Vegas, uh, UNLV, uh, signed a contract to go play in France. And I had him on uh, our professional hockey show uh, a couple of months ago, right as the pandemic ended. And I was talking to him about playing in France and, and I was shocked. And, and maybe you can speak to it more from the Italian part of it, but um, I was shocked at a, how much they didn't really travel and how much practice time they put in versus game time. And he, he really liked that, but he said after this year, he was ready to move up to another level because he said he played twice as many games at club level than he did at the pro level. Is, is that just typical of European hockey? 
Um, I don't know. I think France is a little bit different. Um, you know, in Italy, we played, uh, you know, three, you know, two or three games a week. We practiced just once a day for an hour, an hour and a half. Um, and, you know, so one team that I, I did play on, we had two practices a day, uh, one in the morning, uh, one, in, one in the evening. Um, but it wasn't, uh, it wasn't what you described, Scott, in terms of, uh, you know, a heavy schedule. I would say it was normal. It was probably a 40 to 45 game schedule. I'd go over in late August and come back to New York, uh, March, you know, the end of March, April in there. And, uh, but what a, what a tremendous experience to, 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 for European hockey. It's a completely different game in Europe. It's more, the ice surfaces are bigger, the officiating in Europe, and I'm not one to get officials, but I'll give, to, to give you an example, and keep in mind, this is the late 80s, early 90s. In Italy, you could two-hand or cross-check somebody across the head, face, get two minutes. But if you punch somebody, you're thrown out of the game, you get a three-game suspension. Um, I can just tell you a quick story about an, a situation with a referee in Italy. So we're pl- I'm playing in Milan, and there's two teams in Milan, and we're in the an important game late in the season. And it's a tight game. And the referee's calling penalties. Uh, we're, the, we're the road team, and, and Milan was the, the other Milan team was the home team. And we break for the second period. The referee goes into the locker room. And it's a very emotional game. I mean, it, it, the, the, whenever we played, the, the other Milan team was very emotional. It was what they call a derby there. And the fans used to bring Roman candles into the rink. <laughs> By the third period, you couldn't even see five feet in front of you. So we come out on the ice for the third period, and I go see the ref, and the ref's got two black eyes. And so I go up to him, and I say to him in Italian, I go, cosa successo? He, he starts cursing at me, and he skates away. Apparently, some of the fans got into the, the official's locker room, gave him a couple of cracks in the face. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the third period, we didn't get a penalty. They got four power plays and won the game. Oh, that is a good one. And, and that one's going to sit in well with me because uh, the University of Arizona, which Paul turned your ears off. Uh, Who? Their club program down here, uh, Phil, just signed um, Wes McCauley's uh, son. And uh, the, I had their uh, coach on, and I said, uh, what's it going to be like having uh, – I think his name is Riley. I said, what's it going to be like having Riley? And he goes, well, I've already given Wes a message. I said, if you come down here, please don't interpret our play by our officials. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I don't know what's going on. Uh, uh, fantastic. Well, Paul, fire away a couple more before we got to let him go and end the show. Oh, man. <laughs> I, I don't know if I could top that, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, that's right out of slap shot. <laughs> oh, the oh, league is, is some of the stories, the refs, oh, my, it's incredible what goes on over there. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, jeez. So... <clears throat> How, when, uh, when it's just, we got to get you out to a game. I know that for sure. Uh, I, I know you're busy when the season actually is going on, especially that you're back at coaching. Um, <clears throat> when was the last college hockey game you were at? When you played in or after that? Oh, whoa. You know what, Paul? That's a great question. I don't think I've 
since I stopped playing in Northern Michigan. I don't see him live. Although, I, we did have discussion. Cornell plays at Madison Square Garden occasionally. Great Ranger right. prospect on that team, I'm told. Big center in Morgan Barron, by the way. But uh, to a game, but we talked about going to see Cornell a couple times, but it, it never happened, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, listen, I you know what? Life I interferes. It, oh, I, it, I watch it on TV all the time, uh, you know, and, uh, it's, you know, I think it's a better game than the NHL game. Uh, it's fast. It's, uh, it's fast. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great product, man. Great product. Uh, listen, you know the game's all about skating now. Like, you watch, uh, and I said this to Scott, you watch some of the games uh, back from, from – you know, even when you were in school, and I'm talking about the NHL, um, you see them skating now. Even the college kids look faster than the NHL players did back then. And I'm not talking about when there was clutching and grabbing going on, but if you just watch old NHL games when, when guys had room to skate, it does not – those guys are not faster than those guys, than guys today, even college players. Would you agree with that? Yes, I would. I mean, uh, I'm all, now with the pandemic, they're showing some games from the 80s and 90s. I mean, but those teams in the 80s and 90s, I'm talking late 80s, early 90s, uh, they had three or four guys who could really skate on an right. NHL team. Now, the, the sixth defenseman, the stay-at-home uh, banging defenseman can fly. You know, it's like it's a complete, yeah. it's completely, it's completely different. It's, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's good for the better. It allows the, um, you know, the smaller player an opportunity in the game. And I think that brings the skill level up. Um, so, yeah, no, but you're right, Paul. It's much, much faster. I mean, much faster. It's dangerous. I would like to see the numbers. <laughs> I would like to see the numbers. And I know that, you know, you're never going to see these, but. The concussion statistics prior to the rule change and after the rule changes. That yeah, that, there's that a lot going an, on with that. That would be an interesting stat I'd like to see. Well, yeah, well, I'm sure the NHL doesn't want you to see it either. <laughs> right. No, so. well, uh, Arizona State just added a transfer from Wisconsin. I don't know, Phil, if you've if you've heard this yet, but um, Sean Doogie is coming in at five three one fifty. Was a uh, captain. At, at Wisconsin, leaving <laughs> leaving there, um, coming down to uh, to ASU for his senior year, and Coach Powers oh. told me when he when he found out that his name that Sean was in the transfer portal, he was shocked, and he said, "I got to give a call to him just to see what he you know just to say I did it more or less." And he said they hit it off. They talked for about an hour on the phone. And he found out the next day that he had 40 offers from the 61 or 60 teams at that point that were out there and he selected ASU to come down and play here. So uh, they're doing something right, but I can't imagine five, three, one fifty. And he went through the, the team development program for, for USA hockey. So he's obviously doing something right. Yeah, I'm familiar with the name because I've seen something about him on social media. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And, Coach Powers, and this is, as you know, Scott and Ball, he seems to really have the ability to connect. So, you know, and I don't want to say salesman because I think it may cheapen it, but he has the ability to connect with these guys. An hour phone call, uh, building a program so quickly, uh, where he's, you know, led them to this point. 
sounds like you guys are in great hands with with him. Great hands. Yeah, there's yeah. no doubt about that. He's uh, he's done a fantastic job, and and the fact that you know he's honest with the players and they know exactly what they're getting. I yeah. know when I was at yeah. Duluth, Mike Surtich was the same way um, with the players. There it was like they they run through a wall for him because they knew that that they had his trust and he had their backs. And you can't say that enough. It's so important in coaching, as I'm sure you know. So it's the players. Uh, there's a saying: the players won't care until they know how much you care. And it's uh, yeah, that, I think that's the key, especially with today's athlete. The athletes, the younger generation, they want to know. They want to know the why. You know, they want to know why you're doing this drill. Why are you doing that? Why are we poor checking like this? What? And uh, so you have to be able. You know, you have to communicate with them. And uh, he's obviously got that 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 skill set and that ability. And uh, I got to get down to the Valley of the Sun and come check out check out a game <laughs> at, this, at this at this bar. Well, no. <laughs> no, listen. Always- we always give a standing invitation. If you want to come down, make it January, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, why would you go any other time? <laughs> well, listen, Paul would come any time. Don't worry. He would come in the middle of summer if he could. <laughs> True. Well, listen, um, Phil, we're, we're, I'm going to drag you out to one of these games. Uh, when LIU gets started, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm anxiously awaiting uh, – when you start the tryouts for the team you're going to be coaching this year, um, I really appreciate you coming on and doing this and giving us so much time. I know Scott does too. Um, and I really want to thank I've been trying to get this figured out for a long time and we finally did. And it's been a lot of fun. I hope you don't mind if we try to get you on again sometime because it's a long summer. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, and uh, stay safe in this in these crazy times. Yes, sir. All right, folks. You heard it. Uh, you heard it best from my two Long Islanders trying to 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 whoop me up, or I should say, the New Yorkers <laughs> whoop me up here. But I survived it, folks. Another show in the books. Um, take another quick break. Paul will come back to wrap things up with us, and uh, and we'll be right back with another. Uh, quick wrap-up of College Hockey Southwest Weekly. At the heart of any good cocktail is the quality of the spirit used. And if you want to make the best margaritas, if you just want a straight shot of the best-tasting tequila, then Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila is the brand for you. Award-winning Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila has the taste you want to make perfectly blended cocktails. Whether celebrating an overtime game winner or relaxing by the pool after a long work day, find your bottle, be it in Arizona or elsewhere in the U.S. Visit us at MexicanMoonshine.com. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila, award-winning taste since 2011. All right, we're back. Scott Strandy in Scottsdale, Arizona. My co-host, Paul Hornstein, out on beautiful Long Island, New York. Um, Paul, uh, I don't know that I've ever laughed so much on a program, and it was so enjoyable, especially in these rough times that we're going through, just to have a couple of those big belly busters and and and, and relive some old times and some old-time hockey. But what a great guest. Thank you so much for uh, suggesting that we bring Phil on. Well, I, I, I appreciate you uh, agreeing, you know, that, that this was a good idea. Um, and I'm 100% honest about that. 
we never really talked about his, you know, his playing days because it's just not what we did. Uh, and, uh, you know, those stories were all new to me too. So, um, that made it even better. It's not like I'm repeating. It's not like he was repeating stories. I've heard a thousand times. <laughs> That's the first time I've heard a bunch of those stories. So, um, yeah, it was a know, lot of fun for me too. Cause I, it I went was, it was, it was 30, a lot of fun. 30 years to, uh, days back then, but, uh, all right, I'll let you wrap it up. Do your thing for us. All right, College Hockey Southwest Weekly has been brought to you by Sprint, a brighter future for all. See our friend Andre in the Paradise Valley store at Cactus and Tatum. Let him find you the right deal. Roger Klein's Cancion Tequila. For the best margaritas and more, go to MexicanMoonshine.com. By Jesse Ray's Barbecue in Las Vegas. Call ahead for pickup or citywide delivery with a fee. Call them at 1-702-541-5546. Go to jessierayesbarbecue.com. Behind the mask, the season might be on hold, but your need for equipment is not. Order online at behindthemask.com or call 1-480-998-1260 for curbside pickup. Buy summer skates, sour shoes, koozies, and more. Show your game in comfort and style. Visit summerskates.com. Buy College Bar and Grill. Call them at 1-480-588-6451. Place your order for pickup or dinner on your way home. Maybe get some lunch if you're working in Tempe. Oceanside Ice Arena, home of the Devil's Hockey Shop for all of your ASU merchandise. By OxyPal, introducing our all-natural line of hand sanitizers. Visit our full line of natural cleaning products at OxyPal.com. By M-Drive. Go to mdriveformen.com and use the promo code ICETIMESW at checkout for 20% off. MDrive for energy, stamina, recovery. Buy the Ice Den Scottsdale and the Ice Den Chandler. Practice home of the Arizona Coyotes and home of the Coyotes Youth Development Program. College Hockey Southwest Weekly and all of the Ice Time Hockey SW podcasts are live every week on the Podbean app. Also available for download at the iTunes Store. Podbean, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and Stitcher. College Hockey Southwest Weekly is part of the IcetimeHockeySW.com network. Well done, my friend. Another uh, great show in the books. We'll look forward to another exceptional show next week. Waiting still for the uh, NCAA or the ASU NCAA schedule to come out. We hope that'll be next week and hopefully get Coach Powers back on to discuss it with us. So lots of good things to look forward to. Be safe. Paul, have a great week, and uh, of course, we'll talk to you next week and uh, talk some more college hockey. Can't wait. Have a good night, Scott.